Too easy. First points of the semi-final go to England. Easy shot at goal this for Owen Farrell. And he makes no mistake. Libok lines this up. He's only got 10 left on the shot clock. On the 10-meter line. Pretty much in front. And with three seconds remaining, he slots it right through the middle. The boxer back, 6-3. Not a problem. England extend again. The lead is six. Nine points to three on the Bunnings New Zealand scoreboard. Andre Pollard lines up the kick at goal. And you can guarantee he'd throw it over from there. The crowd will tell you. Farrell does not make a mistake. Again, he comes back into heavy traffic. Kier looks left. Goes left. Farrell is deep. Farrell with a drop goal. And it's over! What a moment, Owen Farrell! The poise and composure of the English captain, outstanding! Caught one short, dive again at the line, fuck the clerk is there! Snayman, under advantage! Eakir Snayman! And the box have the first try of the match! Andre Pollard kicks the box to the lead! They are one step closer to a showdown with the All Blacks! Sia Khaleesi calls for calm. Pollard sets the line. Two and a half minutes remain. It's a one-point ball game. England have to find a way. They have led for 77 and a half minutes in this match. Again, the tackles are strong from the Springboks. Again, they keep their discipline. England caught behind the gain line. Ball is lost. Ball is lost. That'll do it. That will do it. South Africa have pulled off a miracle in Paris. England devastated. And the box are through to a second straight Rugby World Cup final. Whilst there, there you go. Yes, South Africa, they got there in the end. 16-15 over England. Great commentary from uh, Scotty Sumo Stevenson and uh, Kevin Park. Great commentary, boys. And uh, on the line now to uh, give us the uh, South Africans' perspective um, of the game this morning is a very relieved John O'Connor. John, thanks for joining us this afternoon, mate. No worries, mate. Um, uh, my heart, though. My goodness me, it's a good day for cardiologists in South Africa. Uh, mate, two two games in a row, can you can you go a third with the heart? Um, I'd look, uh, I think I might need to take some sort of calming medication because <laughs> this is uh, this is the, this 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 box team is like uh, pushes its supporters right to the edge. That's for sure. Goodness me. How did you feel this morning? I mean, John, did you think it was over when Andy Farrell nailed that drop kick? No, no. I didn't, to be honest. Okay. Because, uh, you know, for, first of all, to explain that, uh, if I don't give credit to the English first, would be churlish. Mm. The most, um, and everybody focused on the, at least in the commentary, on the very good England tactics, which were the up and under kicks. I don't know if they ever had a, more than one phase um, in the match or how, how many times they went past one phase. And uh, also remembering that the was the right tactics for the weather. It was very difficult to see on the screen mm. just how heavy that rain was. But where England were absolutely superb was in the tackle. And their forwards were magnificent in contact. 
both carrying the ball up as well as taking on the box when the box were carrying. And many times they won the collisions. This is a rare thing. So huge when playing against the box. So huge credit to them for really putting it all on the line. But by the time that drop goal was went over, although it didn't look good, mm. we were starting to get the sense that forward parity was being lost. And uh, people will talk about the box bench coming on, and rightly so, they were magnificent. But the first tight set where England looked like they had their scrum on roller skates, they still had their starting scrummaging props when, that, when they were shunted off the ball. Um, and that was the turning point of the game because no matter what happens, the way rugby is set up to play, and I'm sure Steve would back this up as somebody who's played behind a winning pack and behind a struggling pack, the way rugby is set up, if you are not good in your primary phases, if you can't scrum and you can't win your lineup ball, you don't deserve to win the game. And what happened is turned at that moment and then it was how long would the box have to exert that parity because England were only going to if the block had been another 15 minutes England would have lost by a bigger margin um, so it was just a matter of time and would the box be able to pull it off whether did they have the nous did they have the experience and it turned out that it yeah John I just felt for the first time uh, in a long time that you know, there was a, a few cracks in the Africans' armour. Um, you know, when the when they'll yes. turn behind with a few little kicks, the wingers were knocking the ball on. And, you know, I, yes. I just think for the first time we've seen a couple of little cracks there appear that I, I haven't seen before from the African, this, sorry, South African team. Well, it's very much an African team, right? And uh, it really very much represents the African continent. And if you look at the demographics of the South African team now, versus when you were playing um, teams from South Africa 20 years ago, Steve, it's vastly different, right? So yeah. um, a huge credit to uh, Rassi Erasmus, who uh, at under-16 level identified Sia Kulisi, uh, Lupanio Am, and uh, Makazola Mapimpi. Uh, so he is part from under 15, under 16 level, of bringing these non-white players through. But certainly I think that they were caught out um, a little bit by the conditions and a little bit by the niggle that England brought into the game. And I think where England made a mistake is, they were, I mean, it was very clear that they were trying to drag the box down into their quality of play. And they're not as good a team as Ireland, France, the All Blacks and the Springboks. And if the tour had been done properly, it's highly unlikely they wouldn't have made the semi-final. But they set out to drag the box down to their level, but they almost went that little bit too far. You could see uh, Farrell losing the wrist mm. um, with back chat. You could see the petulance of the players sort of rubbing up the officials the wrong way, where if they had kept that intensity but not been so overtly... Um, pig-headed in the way that they related to the ref and to the TMO, etc., um, and kept more focus, and they might have been able to pull it off. But I do think that the things that were wrong 
in this game that they got wrong again depending on the on the conditions when they play the final I do think that those things can be addressed because some of that were handic errors and slippery ball and, and stuff that can be worked on where I don't see that thirdly Orensa or um, it wasn't it was actually more on Orensa's side not so much Colby Colby was very good they were mainly attacking on Kirtley Orensa's side and they might replace him with Kanan Moody, who is very tall. Um, but I think those things can be addressed. Um, I think they were caught out, uh, as you say, Steve, and then they adapted. And that's the sign of this Bok team that's so different to four years ago. Four years ago, they had a blueprint, and they just stuck with that blueprint. Gee. Because it was two, only two years after 57-0, but now they've got all these different ways of going about things which makes them a different animal, of course, to deal with. What, what blueprint do you think they'll bring this weekend against the All Blacks? Do you think it's going to be the, the kick and chase game of today, or uh, do you think they're going to give the no. ball a bit of air? And, um... depends on what depends on what the weather is, first of all. So this World Cup has shifted from having a lot of games played in fine, hot weather in the south of France to uh, the brink of November in Paris, mm. and it's suddenly become Northern Hemisphere rugby, where it was Southern Hemisphere super rugby, uh, like late summer conditions at the start. So if, if the, it's dependent, if the conditions are fine and clear, I think the box will try and pursue the kind of game plan that they had when they played the All Blacks at Twickenham, which obviously is a smart plan. And that is not simply relying on box kicking. And that's the thing that, that um, you know, you've got to give credit to Inova and Erasmus in what they've done over the last four years, is that they lost a whole year where they players, a whole group of their players played zero rugby. So unlike here where we, where we had a um, Southern Hemisphere or a New Zealand-centric first-year rugby AOT Aurora, um, they had nothing. So then they went straight into the lines and they didn't have time to implement the evolution of the game that they had planned for. Because remember, their plan was to win this World Cup, not the last one. Mm. So they had an evolution plan and they couldn't implement it for, for one year. They had to stick with the original blueprint to bring the, the lines. And then they have had two years to evolve the game plan. And you really saw it in the end of your tour last year culminating in England getting thumped with a, an attacking running into space game. And they implemented that kind of game against the All Blacks at Twickenham in good conditions. And I think that they will go with some variation of that kind of attack, while still, of course, um, aiming to target the All Blacks at set piece. Hey, uh, John, look, a lot of Kiwi fans, All Black fans, we all wonder, we all think that Andre Pollard should be starting, but he, he hasn't done so. Why is that? Why is he always coming on? And he was subbed on pretty early today. Well, I don't think that the Springboks would have beaten France if Andre Pollard had started. Because um, what Marnie Lubbock brings to that team is the ability to attack with a all-black flair. And Andre Pollard is a vastly experienced um, if, um, world under-21 uh, World Cup winner, a, uh, 
a rugby World Cup winner. Um, he is exceptionally good. But what Libok brings is the ability to attack into space and get his back line in a, a way in the, in the manner that is it is unusual for what you've seen from Springbok teams before. And when France galloped out to that early start, Libok is a is one of the primary reasons why the box kept on scoring tries. Because it's not only that he had some pinpoint kicks that led to tries, but it's also because his presence um, and his threats on attack drew some of the defenders up and made helped make those kicks successful. Right? And, and he was pinpoint because the box were, instead of kicking off nine, they were going... They were going back to him. His presence there meant he drew the defense up, and then he would put the cross kick on the little French wing. And he would have been slightly out of position because as soon as the ball went to him, they have to come up. Thank you. Thank you for explaining that, John. And sorry to cut you off, mate, but we've got a hard ad break coming up, mate. Um, hey, enjoy the final and uh, go the All Blacks. No worries, mate. Thank you for having me on.